0: Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today, I have Justin Marti. I am so happy to get to finally meet you because Jessica, who speaks so highly of you, and I know that she brought you into the cell of our number, our first client, Dr. Broso and Dr. Majors. Right. She brought you in, and I love working with you there, and to finally get to talk to you is great. I heard that you used to run a DSO, and that that is how you specialize in industry but how did you go from owning and and running a dso to being part of a legal team that you know buys scales and sells practices
1: it's uh yeah it's been a wild wild ride a wild journey and also like you're like meeting a celebrity i gotta say because i've heard your name and seen you for so long and so uh this is super cool so thank you for having me on no Um, thank you so yeah, the the journey is, as I guess many journeys are, is kind of a uh, was a wild wild ride. And so I, you know, my closest tie to dentistry was my mother was a dental hygienist for thirty years, and and I never had a cavity. Um, At what, least that's what she says. And so that's all I knew about the dental world. I was working in Boston after college, and kind of got into like a medical sales type of role, working with doctors started focusing on dentistry and and just kind of advising uh, you know it was patient financing so really kind of teaching their their staff and their team like how to sell treatment basically mm-hmm. um and this established a relationship with a dentist actually a brother sister team kind of you know one dentist one business you know mastermind i guess they Had a couple of kind of rinky-dink type offices outskirts of boston um but they had this like goal of they want to scale this group. They want to grow it. And this is like 2007 or eight, where, I mean, if you said DSO, I would have had no idea, you know, what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. No, no idea (laughs) until years later. I really, it wasn't part of my, you know, vernacular. So, um, I was like, all right, I I see the opportunity. I was young, quit the day job, you know, gave up the company car and, and all the things that, you know, my family's like, what's wrong with you, you know, you you made it right. Like you're, you're good. Right. and so we opened an office in, in, in kind of downtown, like central Massachusetts, kind of rough, rough town that we were in, um, and just kind of cut my teeth in the whole thing. You know, we, we built it out by hand. We you know, hired doctors. I was managing it you know, the front desk quits after a week. So now I'm sitting there at the front, trying to learn, you know, dentrics and everything. Um, but it was cool, man. I mean, it was, it was like really kind of earning your stripes. And so thankfully that that was successful. Um, I moved down to Connecticut, kept opening locations, some other partners joined on, um, by the end, probably, you know, 11, 12 years later, we had like seven partners, 45 offices. We were in, you know, four or five states across the Northeast. And for some reason, along the line, that, that ride, I felt like I didn't have enough going on, I guess. So <laughs> I, you know, ever the um, I don't know. Uh, desire to keep learning, I I started looking at an MBA program. I'm like, let me, you know, let me go get a degree at night. Um, wanted to just keep pushing myself along. And then somehow, I don't know, I was not one of these guys like I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up. Like that's my thing. I feel like the anti-lawyer, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I really do. And so I thought of an of law school. It just kind of popped into my mind and started looking at it a bit, and I was like seems kind of interesting so got into law school started going to law school at night um and we still had our practices going and then right about the time really again i had no plan to practice Uh, it wasn't again wasn't going to be a lawyer like i was just kind of pursuing this for myself and uh, we exited we did a private equity exit right about the same time that i graduated so it was kind of this crazy turning point of like all right now what um Great, you know, great to exit great success story, but it was, it was kind of this very big change and, and kind of like, where do we go from here? And pretty quickly my phone starts ringing with, you know, former doctors of ours, or just folks I've met in the industry and, and then like help me, you know, build my thing, sell my, you know, sell my mm-hmm. practice. Um, so I started kind of just organically talking to folks about, about the process and then I was like oh, you know, now I kind of get it. I mean, I just went through this um, on my own exit, you know, now I'm a licensed lawyer, like this makes sense. Um, so it's it's really cool. So now, you know, a few years later, I sit across the table from the doctor that was basically in, you know, I wasn't doing dentistry, but otherwise I was running practices. So I'm across the table advising them the same way, you know, we, we went there a few years earlier. And so it's, it's just been a wild ride. And now our, our practice has grown. I mean, we're, um, I've got lawyers across the country on our team, you know, we'll work in kind of all different places, different size practices. So it's just, it's been a wild ride, but it's, it's been fun.
0: That's such a good story. You know, Dr. Brosell and Dr. Majors, uh, I, I was definitely part of the transaction and I love the, the guidance that you gave Dr. Majors. Like I was really pleased and you could tell that you definitely knew the dental space and the ins and outs of the practice. And. Even around the staffing of, of you know, there were a couple of staff questions and things like that, that I was so impressed with the knowledge. What type of deals do you typically find yourself in?
1: So really all shapes and sizes, um, as, far as, as far as the type of deal. So it could be a doctor. You know, we have clients who are just one doc buying another practice, you know, single location, kind of a, you know, doc to doc deal. Um, and we might be on the buy side, we might be on the sell side. Um, or it could be, you know, major firm, you know, or excuse me, practice like just a mega practice and selling to a big time DSO with, you know, hundreds of locations. Uh, so we are doing more and more of that lately. Certainly it was kind of this post COVID boom and valuations were crazy. And so, um, we really do a lot of, uh, sell side work when you've got a doc who's, you know, getting ready to transition their, their life's work to, to a big DSO. Um, And we do kind of have some clients as well that I call more of like an emerging DSO, you know, handful of practices, 10, 20 practices, and they're they're buying up locations as well. So it's been kind of all over the map. Um, And that's really on the buy-sell side. And then we kind of in the middle, right, we have like the scale. And so we're doing a lot of things to help these providers grow their practice, you know, staffing, hiring employees, hiring contractors. Doing a lot of the contractual work that's got to go into that and so it's great because like team like jessica kristen you know we have a lot of overlap where i mean i can give some operational advice but that's you know i kind of know my limits now so i can bring them in and we can kind of collectively you know like help guide these practices to to get to that exit you know um if i have a client who's starting to think about retirement i'm like let's start planning now you know like let's yeah yeah. and they're like I have an LOI with this big DSL. ready to sell. Like that's great, but I can't really help them. Like um, I'm limited. I feel like in how much I can really help them like increase the valuation and, and kind of maximize their value. If they come to us a little bit earlier, maybe they're an existing client. Um, we've done some work along the way. We've got a good staff in place. You know, Jessica, mm-hmm. and our team do their mastery that they need to do. I mean, then we can position those guys to you know to do very well usually.
0: Yeah, I. You nailed something. I think that is true for us too. Is I, the best practices, the most profitable practices, the most the happiest dentists have built a team around them. They trust. Like I, you know, our I will say our biggest practices have typically a fractional CFO. You know, they they have some attorney that they that they they they've used and, and trust. They have a marketing team they trust. They and there's something inherent about if you. What's the saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, build a team. That 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 is definitely underrated in dentistry. I find,
1: yeah, hundred percent. That's one of the first things I tell tell any client. I'm like, all right, who's your team? Like, let's let's build your team, or let put me in touch with your CPA, please. You know, who's your financial person? Uh, you know, advisor. You know, if they're looking to buy practice, who's the real estate person? You know, like we really got to build that that team and especially when they're going to to exit, um, you know, we've kind of all got to be on the same page and communicating a lot. So I hit on the head, you know, don't go it alone. Um, you know, really, really build up your support staff. I mean, that's in anything, right? Like not just dentistry, but I mean, anything in life, I feel like, you know, you got to have the the right support around you.
0: Yeah. Now if you had, you know, two or three points of advice to give a dentist based on where you are, where you are now and, you know sitting on one side of the table now the other is that that has to be in the top three things you'd say right like build a team you trust and 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 then actually trust them uh <laughs> right, right, <that> yeah. Helps. <laughs> yeah i i do find that there's a team but then something happens along the way and and you know they want uh, everyone wants to panic but if you built a team you got to trust the team i i uh, can't say that enough on our side, at least. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. What else would you tell a dentist that is contemplating, you know, some big change, adding an associate or, or, you know, contemplating selling in five or six years? Like what, what are the other things you, you, you wish they knew getting into the getting into it?
1: So I, like i have to deliver this message delicately but got it we've all we've all got to be myself included cognizant of of kind of our ego if you know if that's Mm. the word um because again they've worked hard to build this thing up 20 30 however many years and it's their baby and there's a lot of pride in the name right and even my law firm like actually I cringe that i put my name as our name for the law firm because it's like, I, I hate it. I don't want it to be about me. It should be about the team we just talked about. I think a lot of the docs, there's a lot of pride, you know, and and, and I get it, like you work so hard, but um, you have to really work to separate like yourself from the transaction, if that makes sense. You know, if a low value yeah. comes in, it's hard. Like you take that personal, right? Or somebody gives you an offer that you feel like is is terrible. and And a lot of discussions I have to have with, with clients on the sell side is you know your business and again I went through this as well it may not be worth what you think you know it may not Mm -hmm. be and and it's a very hard message to deliver right it may be I know we like I said we were guilty of it when we went through our exit I was like we're gonna get this number you know and then comes in at like half and um you know it's it's a sobering moment but if you can kind of check the ego, you know, realize that he, we're entering a transaction and it's not a personal knock on you, you know, you've done fantastic, but this is kind of what the market calls for. And this is where we are. It seems to, to, to change the dynamic a little bit. And it's a little more palpable, you know, as opposed to like, that's offensive that offer and, and things go yeah. sideways very quickly.
0: You know, we have our own version of ego on our side. Uh, Justin, we have the every startup we take is gonna be a $1.5 million practice in 13 months. And it's just such a difficult conversation because you don't want to not show hope and progress. But as a marketing team, I feel very conflicted when someone tells me they're gonna be $1.5 million in 12 months. And I'm like, hey, just for the record, Across a couple hundred offices, it's happened once. You can be the one, yeah. but yep. But that it's the the odds are not good, and no one. And they get really frustrated, and I'm like, "Am I the? Fr-? I always feel like I'm the first person saying this. Like, I feel like the person who sold them the equipment is telling them anything they want to hear. I feel like the person who sold the computers is telling them anything they want to hear." I feel like the real estate agent was like, "This is a million dollar location," and then I come in and I'm like, "Maybe not, doomsday, Tuesday, <laughs> yeah." And I, we've actually lost deals because they're like, "Why would I hire a marketing team that doesn't believe in me?" And I was like, "Look, I, I believe in you, but I'm trying to help you come in with some, you know, humility that this is really hard." And I'm, I, I'm both sad and glad that you have a similar problem on the on the sell <laughs> side. I, I didn't want to be alone
1: yeah we Um, share that we share that uh, message uh, delivery that's great
0: now now what not billable time i know but of the time you spend on a deal how much would you classify as emotional support versus actual lawyering
1: um i feel like you you can definitely relate to this so that's why you asked the question because man the therapist hat is on a lot you know therapist hat is on I, was, I mean, I was on calls last night. So I don't even know what time it was. It was late, and it was just kind of talking, uh, uh, husband-wife selling, and kind of talking them off the ledge a little bit. Um, and again, I get it because I've been there. Like, I, mm-hmm, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been in that. To, you know, we've all been there in some capacity, but I get, like, hearing your thing's not worth this, or, you know, we're knocking you for that. It, it's hard. So there's a lot of just, um, you know, working on, the individual and getting to understand mm-hmm, getting, mm-hmm. like you gotta, a, you're, you're, you're not the transaction how much does
0: valuation really change like how common are like just a crazy lowball offer
1: i would say in the in it happens you know for sure i would say in the dso world it's pretty rare you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these dso's again, hundreds of practices, thousands, maybe like they are a well-oiled machine. You know, they, they run the numbers, they know how to come up with the EBITDA figure and the multiple of that, and they're coming in pretty consistent, you know? So it's rare that I see like something just, just again, like almost insulting out of, out of left field. Um, The doctor to doctor transactions can be a little more like the wild west, you know, because you've kind of got one individual or maybe the doc buying and, their CPA, you know, kind of working through these numbers. So you can see a low ball here and there, but I, I think this consensus is across the industry that it's competitive now. So you've got to be, you know, you got to bring your a game. If you want to buy a practice, um, it doesn't mean you should overpay, but you've just got to be cognizant that like, there's probably some other folks looking at this same practice, mm-hmm, level, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have a compelling offer.
0: Yeah. Now. I may have accidentally jumped ahead here. Is that the third or is it something around valuation?
1: It, it may be. I think it's <laughs> something around valuation is the valuation, right? Like, sure. Um, you know, we we absolutely negotiate it up if we can, you know, down if we have to, depending on the side we're on. We try to be reasonable, though, and, and not get too crazy in either direction. But there's kind of a baseline, you know, that these practices that the folks smarter than me have figured out this is what they sell for and trade for. Um, so again, just, it's not a personal knock on the doctor. It's just kind of, this is what the business does and this is how we value it. that's where you're at.
0: Yeah. I find valuation to be, I know it sounds simple. Just look at EBITDA, but how much the doctor pays themselves, how much, you know, do they have family members employed, what the benefits they take away, what comes out of the practice that, that goes to them, you know, personally, like, you know, internet bills and cable bills and cars and different kinds of things, but like, how do you, what is your process for getting the valuation and then what do you do when you find the, the doctors in conflict with the valuation that's been provided?
1: Um, so, obtaining evaluation could depend on do we have a broker involved um because they'll do their diligence and kind of find i think you know a market rate mm-hmm. um very rarely you know we're not brokers so very rarely have i done deals where i had to create evaluation i if i do have a scenario like that i really in every scenario i rely heavily on the financial team that we talked about you know their CPA. Yeah the advisors and and like, let's vet numbers. If you're the buyer, if you're the seller, let's make sure these are real. Um, and so landing at the valuation is is um, it's a collaborative effort, but it definitely put a lot of focus on their financial team. Um, the second part of your question kind of uh, regarding doctors, I guess, who are not thrilled with their valuation. Um, like you said, man, there's so much that goes into that that they've packed personal stuff in, right? Like, everyone wants to drive down their taxable income, but at the end, of the day, you can hurt yourself the same that, way.
0: Hey, look, the more you drive down your taxable income, the the worse your valuation, the worse your EBITDA is, right? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, and, and it's good for back, you, but bad for you,
1: yeah. I mean, you try to back that out, right? Or their ad backs, we call it, right? But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's still, sometimes there's so much stuff buried in there, you just, you're not gonna uncover it all. So valuation, hey, it's it's tough, again, tough discussion to say, Doc, I mean, you kind of ran the practice this way for so many years, and now that's how we've landed at this valuation.
0: Gosh, Justin, that was amazing, and uh, I'm so grateful for your time today. And, and uh, I cannot tell you how amazed I am that you are you started the DSO, we're starting a family and going to night school and started your law firm within that. I mean, I think it speaks to just in a, an incredible, you know, journey. And, and it, it's just such a unique story that I, I love it. But thanks so much. And that was your buy to dental marketing. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.